All right, you guys. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I am back with another episode of Shit Under My Nails. It is murder, mystery, and mayhem. It is the end of the month, and I am trying to bust out these last couple of episodes for you guys, which I'm kind of behind a tad bit. And I definitely apologize about that. I'm going to get it together. Um, So, today's episode is about the Butterbox Babies. And we're going to get into it right now. Okay, you guys, so this story starts off in spring of 1935. There was a young lady by the name of Eva Nefort of Nova Scotia and Walter. They both were very young um, tenderonies. And um, these two, they specifically were pregnant. They both were dating they found out they were pregnant and unfortunately back then being pregnant and not married was like a really really bad thing frowned upon it was not cool um what ended up happening is Eva she basically decided okay I am pregnant I need to figure something out and this is what I'm going to do so she ended up looking up some different options for herself and for her baby. She found this place called the Ideal Maternity Home. Um, she decided that uh, that's where I'm gonna go before Christmas. She was due. She was due to have her baby in January. Um, the the owners of the Ideal Maternity Home, William and Lila Young, of course, they opened armed welcomed her of course because their uh, home was for very discreet people so they made sure that everything was set in stone things of that nature um what ended up happening is eva ended up getting sick um a week after she got there so that made her bed bound all the way up until january which that's when she had her baby and then of course the labor was rough and um she did lose the baby but what ended up happening is she almost lost her life during this you know during this labor um william one of the owners decided to write walter her boyfriend at the time you know a letter about everything that's going on about how eva has an affection about how the baby has passed um walter didn't take a second thought he ended up going to go see her and just check on her to see how everything is going and what can he do to make the situation better things of that nature um he's seen that eva was not cared for properly and of course he was just like okay so y'all haven't given her any medication she has some type of infection that's going on why have you not called a doctor and of course walter and william they had a couple of words he wasn't happy that you know he you know walter was like why you didn't call a doctor and william was like hey i am a doctor okay so whatever you're talking about you can just leave it at the door um during this time uh lila ended up giving walter an invoice for a burial fee for his child um and then of course you know he went ahead and paid 
for the burial of his baby. And when he went to go back to check on Eva, he was told that visiting hours were over and he had to leave. He left. And of course, two days later, Eva was dead. Now, of course, I definitely did get ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and give y'all the rundown. So Lila was born and mind you, this is an older story, so it's not really much information as a lot of the other criminals were or that I had a lot of information on. So we're going to start here. Lila was born in 1908 in Fox Point, Nova Scotia. She graduated high school and she decided, hey, I want to be a teacher because I feel like that's the field I should go in. Um she did teach she graduated college she eventually met a 27 year old william peach young at the age of 26 in 1923 william actually graduated medical college and he basically cared for a lot of people on the south of nova scotia um they eventually got married in um 1925 so their timeline is pretty goddamn fast but while she was pregnant with their first child, um, that's when they got married. So she kind of did shit the wrong way to herself. So she kind of felt some type of way. Within a couple of years of them being together in general, they had a total of five children. Um, Lila ended up training to be a midwife. And um, William decided, hey, let me be a chiropractor. Now, back then in like 1927, chiropractors were viewed as quacks and almost 15,000 were prosecuted with a uh, jail time for being a chiropractor. So it was it's kind of odd that he chose to be a chiropractor to use his own. Um, they ended up moving to Chicago and lived there for about two months. And then they saved up as much money as they could. They ended up buying a four-bedroom uh, cottage in uh, East Chester. And they basically wanted to help people. They had a vision to make sure that the sick could get well. Quote, end quote, end quote again. <laughs> so they had this idea, but then, you know, it eventually turned into the idea of maternity home because of the simple fact that they seen the market would open up a lot for women who could not care for themselves, who were disowned by their families, who might have wanted abortions, who might have wanted their children to be adopted and things of that nature. So it was a whole 380 turn, 360. I apologize, 360 turn. Um, and of course, back then, abortions were illegal. Of course, you can get life in prison for that. Now... When these children, because that's really what I want to say. I want to call them children. I want to say that these kids who were having kids did not know the full logistic care of everything, right? And the reason why I say that is because of the simple fact that when they got to this ideal maternity home, they were ambushed with a invoice from Jump. Oh, you had to pay anywhere from 100 to $500 just to get your baby delivered. And that's pay upon arrival. Now, back then, at the time, they were only making a total of $8 a week. Houseway, 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 they came up with their money. It's very crazy. But what ended up happening is the youngs, they decided to uh, make sure that they got their money, period. 
um, the youngs would blackmail the families, the boyfriends, and sometimes would force the mothers of these children that were just born to work inside the home as um, cooks, cleaners, uh, babysitters, nurse aides, things of that nature. Um, the reason for this is you would think that these girls would be like, you know what, I don't have the money, I'm going to tell. They couldn't because, of course, it's already been shame upon them. Nobody knows where these women went because of the simple fact they was just like, damn, you know, uh, I can't let nobody know that I just had a baby. Or I can't let nobody know I just got an abortion. Or I can't let no one know that I just let someone adopt my baby. Or that I'm ha- I had a baby and I- that's what it was. Um, it was reported that these kids, these women, um, would be working in the home because, again, they couldn't afford the $500, dollars $100 to $500 fee from junk. So it was said that they would be working there anywhere from five to 10 years. And you ask me, they had other inflations that made their bill continue to go up as they would work there anywhere between five to ten years so of course if somebody wanted diapers oh that's a twelve dollar fee baby food that's a two dollar fee excuse me <laughs> sorry y'all um for those who had to bury children that was two hundred dollars twenty dollars i apologize and for an adoption transfer because that's what it was called mind you this is a off the market type of home for maternity for maternity only so it would be three hundred dollars just for an adoption transfer now now with an adoption transfer at the ideal maternity home these were women who had already had their baby somewhere else And then, you know, of course, they was just like, you know what, I can do this, I can be a mom, and then figure out that they can't be a mom, and they would go to the ideal maternity home, and they would do an adoption transfer. Um, And of course, William and Lila, they would take on any and all the babies, because that right there, that's where most of their money came from, was adoption. That is where a lot of things came into place. Now, for those babies that had any type of imperfection, those were the babies they got rid of. So the babies that um, were darker colored, black, uh, mixed race, um, had any type of weird ass deformities, any type of... um, weird ass birthmarks those would be the babies that they would call imperfective like they have no type of perfection at all so guess what we're gonna get rid of these babies and how they did it was they would feed these babies molasses and water and it would be like a two-week death so you would basically watch these children die and they would for those who pay for their children getting buried um, for those who paid, they would get a proper burial, which they would put them in these wooden crema- crematory boxes, hence Butterbox Babies, because it would say uh, creamy on the box, which referred to butter. Um, some were burned in the incinerator and other were others were given to like the fishermen now it's not a confirm or deny that the fishermen use these dead children as bait but why else would you give a dead baby to a fisherman 
my thoughts on it i definitely feel like they use them as bait it's not funny nobody is it's not funny joe it's not funny apologize about that but like in the reports it says there is no confirmation that these children were used as bait but why else would you give a dead baby to a fisherman so they had a person that worked on the facility um his name was glenn glenn basically helped bury the babies glenn spoke to the reporters and said um it was a total of 100 to 125 babies in fox point that he buried and then he said also that sometimes you know it would take him about five extra days so if the baby was dead and they already had their own little box sometimes they would be under a box for about five days in a tool shed and um yeah they would just have to wait to be buried and that's what the situation was very sad so there was another situation that kind of brought a little more light onto the ideal maternity home. There was a young lady, she could recall a situation where she was having her baby and her baby was breached. For those who don't know or don't have children, a breached baby is not a good baby because guess what? The baby is about to come out of you kicking. The baby is about to come out feet first, legs first, butt first when the baby should come out the other way which is head first shoulders stomach legs and things of that nature um the fucked up part about this whole situation is lila decides to hey let me drop down to my knees and pray as this baby is choking on the umbilical cord and breached so uh thank god william was there he didn't feel like getting on his knees and praying was gonna be the thing to help but um what ended up happening is William delivered the baby in this specific instance. And the reason why this um, situation was important because of the simple fact that this is what happened. So the woman was resting, of course. She had already um, fed her child and everything was going good. All of a sudden, Lila comes into room and says, hey, uh, ma'am, your baby's dying. And she knew as a mother, which a lot of mothers know something ain't right with your child or if something is right with your child, you kind of sort of have that that feeling. And um, she was just like, that's there's no way possible that, you know, something's going on with my baby. Um, the thing is, her baby was actually the only little girl in the whole entire center. So because of that, you know, Lila let it be known that, hey, I have a white Jewish baby for adoption and one a very, very wealthy white family came to get the baby. And um, of course, because there were no real records of what the hell was going on, nobody knew what was going on. Um, the woman, of course, she wasn't happy. She found out that there was a wealthy couple coming to adopt a little girl and she knew that her child was the only one. And of course, after she left the ideal maternity home, um, she tried to go look for her daughter, but I guess she wasn't as successful. Um, the youngs would make sure that they um, put out a couple of ads where they talked about how they had healthy white children. Um, and it would cost 
you know, these families that wanted to adopt anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand dollars per baby. When people from the United States would come over to Nova Scotia to actually come and adopt these kids, she would upcharge them like a motherfucker. Like she her William and Lila, they literally have made an abundance of three point five million dollars in ten years. Um all they required were just references and income. <laughs> references and income. And sometimes majority of the time they didn't even check that so it was just a whole situation um and um for those parents that decided that they wanted to keep their child they had to pay lila them ten thousand dollars to get their baby back even though adoption was already sealed delivered given to the family they would take ten thousand dollars from the original parents and give them keep that and then also get you know the extra thousand to ten thousand dollars for the baby from the adoptive family so they racked up 20k just off of two families one baby and it all went into their pocket so it was a it was a whole situation so in 1945 a potential person that wanted to adopt from new york she actually came to the ideal maternity home because she heard so many good things about it. Hey, you can come over here and get a baby. All she needs is this. But when she got there, she was just appalled at everything and how it looked. She was like the stench of pee and feces kind of like rubbed her nose the wrong way. It did not tickle her fancy in any type of way. Um, she also said that there were three children to a crib. They seemed like they were male, like undernourished you know flies were swatted around the children it was just it looks like a rundown maternity home and it was ridiculous and um a lot of the times it would be majority jewish couples that would come to nova scotia to adopt and she was one of those people and of course when she came to the home she did report that um she didn't report this to another maternity home about the ideal maternity home and how disgusting it was. Um, eventually, so much stuff had been going on with the ideal maternity home. They got better. Um, well, they didn't get better. Um, a lot more people decided, hey, let's donate. Let's give these girls an opportunity, but still, of course, not give our names or whatever the case may be. Um they upgraded, you know, the brochures and advertisements that they had out there in the public and um, even had a whole bunch of different quotes from the senator of Nova Scotia and a couple of pictures of the governor's daughter and her husband with their adoptive child. So it was just a whole, you know, a whole little situation. There was a doctor by the name of dr frank davis who wanted to do an investigation on the ideal maternity home because he heard so many different things about it um he had them investigate and it was realized that everything was wrong everything from the cleaning of the property to the way the children were taken care of to everything everything was wrong everything period so what ended up happening is it ended up going to the um court and when it went to the court 
um, they basically put a, a, a law in place where they are required to have some type of extra licensing when it comes to having a maternity home. Of course, that definitely did not shut down Lila because she still kept doing what she was doing. And um, she was telling people like, oh my gosh, these people are harassing me. And she was proclaiming that. And guess what? More people donated. More money. You know, of course, stuff for the children, but more money than anything. Um, Lila and William, they were actually denied uh, their maternity home licenses. Um, And of course, there was a situation where she was legitly, she had to shut down. Um, When she had to shut down, she didn't shut down and like serve prison time for all the wrong things. They ended up getting a $150 fine, which is literally minimum to what they had. They had almost $3.5 million. Now, Lila decides to do a $25,000 lawsuit against a newspaper who was basically telling the truth about everything, wanted to expose everything in their business and what the fuck they had going on. And of course, she was not happy and she was not having it. What ended up happening is, you know, they exposed everything from top to bottom, from A to Z. Any and everything that was wrong with that place, any and everything that was illegal was exposed during this lawsuit that Lila wanted to do. So after that, eventually they ended up bankrupt. In um, 1962, two traumatic things happened. Number one. Uh, William actually died of cancer in 1962, as well as the burning down of the ideal maternity home. They said it was arson, but we don't know. In um, 1967, Lila ended up um, dying from leukemia. And it was said that her body is actually buried next to the Butterbots babies that she buried over the 10-year course. So, there's the end of that, right? Very interesting story. I don't really, I don't know. I thought it was just, it was just a very interesting case. So there is a link that I will um, add in my um, bio about these Butterbox babies. They're still looking for their families, but mind you, they don't have any real documentation. If you want to do anything to help, you definitely can, whether it's money, advice, or whatever the case may be. But it has a little bit of their stories, who they are, who they might be, and what year they were born to kind of sort of help them out. But I'm going to try to bust out these episodes. So, as always, it's always going to be a beautiful day on the south side of GA. I hope to hear back. No, not hope to hear back. I will hear back from you guys. We'll be back with like three more episodes because I'm busting them out back to back to back. You hear me? It's always going to be a beautiful day on the south side of DA. I have to go and pay bills. I love you guys.